0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW for We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You are listening to the next best picture podcast, and this is our review of The Harder They Fall. Please. Please.
1: Proof is Buck. Man, old devil, this is gonna be Buck's last day amongst the living. What exactly he do to you? Call it a professional robbery. I know who you are. That yeah, love outlaw hunts down those who trespass against him with no mercy. Where is it?
2: Where is who?
1: The boss. My boss. Clearly, you don't know me. I heard Rufus Buck was back. So ain't no road to ask a friend to travel. You think destiny's coming to you? My guns go I can move the guns go back. A new day is dawning. Guns go
0: back.
3: Slow. Ha! Ah! On the head of the angel. Seeing father dumped trust if I can see you. Faithful to the end. Bullets with
1: your names, Jew. back ain't you? I don't particularly enjoy violence. That being said, you are currently in company of extremely violent individuals. Jump mother. My guns go back. I can miss the guns go back. Shango aim well for you.
0: All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for The Harder of a Fall, and the story is as follows. When an outlaw discovers his enemy is being released from prison, he reunites his gang to seek revenge. The film is starring Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, R.J. Seiler, Danielle Deadweiler, Eddie Gategi, And Dion Cole. It is directed and written by James Samuel, co-written by Bose Yakin. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And joining the podcast again, welcome
3: back, Kobe Mack. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, and I'm finally, finally back on the next Best Picture podcast.
0: I wasn't expecting to rhyme, actually, with that intro. It just kind of flowed out naturally like that, but... My dude, it's great having you here. It's been a while, and I always love having you on. Last time you were here, I believe, was for, what was it? Was it Malcolm and Marie? Gosh, it probably was. <laughs> I
3: feel like I was on everybody's podcast for Malcolm and Marie. <laughs> <laughs> and Netflix has brought me back.
0: Yeah, I saw your enthusiasm for this uh, after you had just screened it, and I was like, I got I to gotta see if Kobe's available and bring him on here because, man, this is a fun movie. This is a movie that kind of came out of nowhere you know there were sometimes these titles that you hear about during award season that you know you hear about the months in advance but this is a director a feature directorial debut here from uh, james samuel uh with a cast that anyone would kill to have but to put them all into a western this movie's got such a unique perspective given to it uh being that it is a black western and it's not a black western in the sense of you know like Quentin Tarantino or anything like that no 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 this is a very brutal straight western in regards to these real life characters as the opening text say uh, while the events of this story are fictional these people existed and it feels like it's history being reclaimed if you will uh, for black cinema through this movie for the western has predominantly been told by white filmmakers with white actors for white audiences so there's a lot to be excited about in regards to this one what did we ultimately think about it i'm passing it over first to our guest kobe the floor is yours what did you think of the harder they fall
3: like you said these big letters period big letters people period existed talk about a bold declarative statement right out the gate from a guy who, and I'll say this kind of like tongue in cheek, this is his feature length film directorial debut. Granted, he had a short film that was pretty much longer than most other films. I mean, it was 51 minutes, (laughs) but this guy, James Samuels, with one of the coolest ways in order to spell James, right, AKA Bullets, like I went into this movie so cold. The only thing that I knew is that there was a Netflix film with a bunch of black actors in it, Idris Elba, Jonathan the Majors, Lakeith Stanfield, Regina King, right there, I'm sold. I didn't need any more. I didn't even watch a trailer. And I'm so thankful for it because I love going in cold where I'm not setting up this subconscious bias and bar for a film to meet, right? And at the beginning of this film, like you said, I had no idea what the tone this movie was going for. Is this dramatic? Is this comedic? Somehow, it created a pocket to be able to do a little bit of everything, and I didn't know it was gonna be brutal. And oh, it's brutal. Oh it's yeah, bloody, it's unrelenting. Um, surprisingly, there's no nudity, which really cut me apart. in my mind. I expected to see a little bit of something, right? Because the cowboy movie that I grew up with as a kid was Posse. You remember that movie with <laughs> um, with McGrath? With yeah. Lewis? Yeah, so that kind of set the bar of what I'm thinking of like a dirty kind of gangster Western. This is truly the most gangster Western film that I've ever seen. And it blew me away. The five principles when it comes to cinema for Kobe is do I believe in this world? Yeah, damn right I do. These are people, like you mentioned, that did exist, but this story is fictionalized, but it doesn't seem so fabricated, like it couldn't be real. Do I believe in these characters? You're damn right I do, so much so that all of the auxiliary characters around the principal actors, I cared about and I remember their names, Jim and Sam and and, 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 and Cherokee Bill and Trudy, like they all came alive to me. Do I believe in their convictions and their goals? I'm pretty sure I do. And was I moved at the end of this film? You bet your butt I was. So much so, I came to tears. I tweeted immediately after coming from my screening. I haven't hooted or hollered or cried and laughed in such a long time. And to hit me in the gut cinematically and narratively, like it did twice at the end of the movie, I was blown away. I have four, count them, four perfect scores on the year. Three of them come from Netflix. Is it one of this one? You'll find out in a little bit.
0: <laughs> all right all right coming out the gate here i love it awesome josh parham sorry you have to follow that but what did you think of the harder day fall
2: yeah oh boy tall order to follow with that one <laughs> um well what did i think of it um let me see let me just check my notes here uh yeah it's uh, pretty fucking awesome <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i uh i also loved this movie i thought it was just first of all so fun Like, from the very first frame, I'm, like, in this movie, and I just love the tone that it's going for. I love the characters that it is creating. I just love the entire atmosphere of this movie, and I think that it's also really great at establishing the motivations of these characters in the world that they do exist in that is very relevant to their race, but they also feel like their own characters. And, yes... It can be easy to make the connection of what Tarantino might have done with something like this, and obviously I think it's in slightly better hands here. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I do think my one criticism of it, though, is some of the supporting characters I don't think are that great, one in particular, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but... Overall, I still found it to be such an invigorating, entertaining movie with a really great emotional climax, too, along with just action sequences that are very well done. So, yeah, I think that this is a really, really good movie, and I very much enjoyed it.
0: I, too, was very taken aback by the overall tone and presentation of this movie because right off the bat where we open up with a very uh, brutal and intense scene of murder – and it's done in a very artful uh, way. And I also really liked the style that James Samuel utilized throughout this movie where it wasn't so over the top to the point that it felt like it was going for a comedic tone, but it was done in a way that I found to just be, to put it simply, very entertaining. I was very sucked into the world, like you mentioned, I was really drawn into the characters, their motivations, so much so that by the end of this movie, I cared a lot about the, even the supporting players, as mentioned earlier. So I echo all of that that was said. Uh, my one complaint—I've I've, I've really only got two, uh, which I'll get to—and they're both they're both technical, really, for the most part. Uh, but I, I'll definitely get it onto that in a little bit here. First thing I want to start off with. Is this cast? Jonathan Majors leading the film. Idris Elba, Regina King, prominent supporting roles. Delroy Lindo, hot off of Defy Bloods last year, coming in now with another some role in this that is. Befitting of his talents. And Lakeith Stanfield. I mean, there's a bunch of others here. Um, Of course, there are some others where their names may not be as recognizable as some of the ones I just mentioned, but even they managed to stand out. Um, As Kobe was mentioning earlier, you remember these characters' names. Cuffy, Bill Pickett. Uh, You remember the characters like Jim Beckworth. And it's really fascinating how invested I was that by the time we get to the big final shootout at the end, and there are some casualties along the way. Yeah, I was feeling the emotion. And the movie goes for like an operatic quality in terms of how these characters are disposed of. It all feels very grand, and it's presented in a manner that truly rocks you, so much so that the big, big, big climactic reveal of the movie then between... Two of the very large, the largest characters of the movie. It's like you say to yourself, Oh, how can this possibly, you know, how can the movie possibly go any higher than it already has achieved so far? And somehow it does. And it does on the backs of these really phenomenal performances here from what I think is one of the best ensembles of the year, just in terms of how well they all play with each other
2: yeah I absolutely agree with that I think that this entire cast works so well together and also they give just individually great performances and I think Jonathan Majors who should be said also is coming off of the success of the five Bloods with Delroy Lindo and I oh yeah that's I right did love seeing them <laughs> together again in this movie and slightly different roles but almost a similar dynamic which was sort of interesting um yeah I just love Jonathan Majors in general. I think that he's such a fascinating actor. And to have him in this lead role, he feels like such a fully realized character. And you get his motivations, which work within this kind of archetype of a Western hero, but also feel very specific to him as well. And it does lead to this really great moment between him and Idris Elba at the end of the movie, which is unexpected and surprising. And both of them are really good in that scene, too. And I think the movie benefits so much to help them deliver those performances. But, like you said, everybody in this cast is amazing.
0: I mean, Jonathan Majors is someone whose career we've been watching very closely since he came onto our radar with The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And it seems like anything he's in nowadays, it's worth checking out because, like you said, Josh, just a really fascinating actor to watch and someone who. Just when you think that you've seen it all from him, he does something like Loki, where that performance is so unhinged and over the top. And here I thought that he commanded the screen wonderfully in the lead role. Uh, So much so that I can't wait to see what else he's offered next because, you know, I feel like he's been doing a lot of supporting work lately and he hasn't had a chance to lead a film of this size quite yet. So I'm really hoping that he'll be able to turn some heads with this one and get uh, some bigger offers in the future because, yeah, whatever that it factor is, he definitely has it.
3: I think Lovecraft Country definitely was the testing ground for that, right? The mm, fact that he yeah, was good able point. to lead this show that was also a big ensemble and the fact that we have this black protagonist taking the lead in the sci-fi genre, which is something that really has not been at the forefront, at least of what studios have been pushing And then like go this route, we're looking at Westerns. And really, we only had that with what Will Smith did over 20 years ago in the wild, wild West. And that was essentially an experiment. I don't say that failed. I loved it as a kid. I love getting the toys from, you know, uh, from my favorite restaurant and stuff like that. And it's just like that. It really hasn't gone anywhere. And the thing is, where it comes to black leads in Hollywood, we have this idea of taking turns, right? And I remember that being a thing in the late 80s and in the 90s where it's like we can only have one or two strong black leads that audience will generally accept. And they're just going to be in everything. Lakeith will be in everything. Um, you know, now Jonathan Majors can be in everything. And I thought that this was a really kind of fitting role for him where he's straddling this line between, you know, our charismatic protagonist, Right. But he's also a scoundrel. But he's a lover. But he's very much an outlaw, and it plays into the archetype of what the Western is. This very much is a Western. Yes, it's stylized, and I thought it was really unique in the style, of like in the choice with its dialogue. At first, I didn't know, is this contemporary? But then it kind of finds this unique pocket that it created of its own where it feels very much of the time but very much of now, which I think is really hitting for what James is doing with this project because – Yep, primarily he's done a lot of music videos. This felt like a music video, but like something so much bigger and grander. And to be able to play with all these unique characters, you have folks that are playing against their typical type. The fact that Dion Cole gets billed inside of this, and he's a small character in this film. He's a stand-up comedian, uh, stand-up comedic um, actor, and he plays this role super straight. This is the best acting I've ever seen from Dion Cole. Completely. Honestly, I've not seen much from Zazie beats outside of like the major Hollywood stuff that she's done. This is the best performance that I've seen her give. I loved what she brought to Mary. And if we're talking about like female performances, bro, what Regina King does as Trudy, this beautiful regal woman that we've seen. She sees a young girl on 227. We watched her grow up and pretty much be the beautiful black girl next door. And for her turn as Trudy Smith, she was frightening. In this film, Idris is automatic. He is just like, he's got this swagger that is just like, (laughs) it seems effortless. And everybody, Delroy, Lindo, like I, I, it's, I, I, I don't know if – because this is a pandemic movie, right? Um, I don't know if this can happen again. You know Sterling K. Williams and Cynthia Erivo were supposed to be in this film? Oh, no. I didn't know that. Yes. Sterling K. Williams was supposed to be in this film. Cynthia Erivo, I don't know if she was going to play Trudy or Mary. She probably could have did both. So it's, like, amazing that she – like, th- that's the caliber that was always at work with us. You know, we got to shout-out to Jay-Z, you know, for producing this film Um, because, like, I'm so thankful for it. I want so much of this world. Like – R.J. Seiler, that's the Blue Ranger. I love this man. He was so fun. Damon, they got a Waynes brother in here. A, a <laughs> Waynes, you know, descendant in this movie. We got Damon Wayne Jr. It, it, it's just, it's so, so much fun. This reminds me, and I wonder, Josh, feel the same way. This reminds me of the fun that I had with one of my favorite movies growing up in Harlem Nights, where we took most of Black Hollywood into a film that was a period piece, but still very much had, like, contemporary stylings to it, and they just had fun. This is what this movie felt like.
2: Oh, yeah. You definitely get the sense that these are a group of like actors and filmmakers coming together to not only just have the opportunity to give actors like this these kinds of roles in this setting, but then to also just make it really super fun. And that's the thing that really that I'm so attached to with this movie is how just entertaining it is and how much it revels in that style. You know, you also get that in so much of the filmmaking too, where there's these stylish touches on there that are just like, it really does, as you said up front, make you want to hoot and holler and cheer. Like there's one scene in particular that involves like revealing people that are standing behind one another. And the way that is executed was like, absolutely brilliant i it was so so good and there's like so many moments like that in this movie that i think are just excellently well done
0: i mean the use of a uh, split screen in this to create tension yes. as well is just like like you said really really well done uh the scene especially uh, i i think that it comes through the most and i think there's a scene that you're alluding to josh's uh where they break uh idris elba out of uh that train scene. Yeah, I, I don't. I was going I was gonna say prison, but it's essentially like, what did they got him in? They got him in like a safe, essentially, right? Yeah,
3: <laughs> and that's the first time that you see Rufus Buck throughout the entirety of the film.
0: Well, yeah, because in the intro for the film, you never see his face. He never says a word. I mean, what a great way to introduce the villain of your story, and he kills a mother and a father has his henchmen carve uh, a cross into a young boy's head. That young boy grows up to be Nat Love. So now we've got our revenge movie basically laid out for us. And the movie never moves away from that. It's always a revenge story. But I do like that the movie takes its time to really develop all these different characters, part of the Nat Love gang, uh, part of Rufus's gang, and all of them get their moments in this like you were mentioning earlier uh kobe you going through the cast list here and i'm just like sitting back and thinking to myself regina king kills absolutely kills her monologue where she's carving the apple talking about hope uh her childhood uh friend and everything else uh, to zazzy beats and it's like the movie slows down to give regina king a moment as you do
3: Like, that's the Oscars reel right there. I mean, it's, it's, I I haven't heard too much in regards to what this performance is doing in regards to, you know, uh, perspectives for awards, but like, I just see it. And, you know, that's something that's special to me. I love movie stars. And that is, as a writer, that's something that you write for a movie star. To kill and murder. And this is the first time that we've ever got to see her do that. Trudy is, if not as ruthless as Rufus Buck, um, maybe even greater. And the fact that we get something at the end of the film that just magnifies that is fantastic. And just knowing that she's evolved in her career in such a unique way. Like I said, she's been this 80s and 90s darling. And then just became a beast where she transformed into something else who is now an Academy Award winning actress who's directing her own stuff and now has a – I'm going to leave it. I don't want to spoil it just yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Getting carried away there, but that's okay. Listen, at the end of the day, she's getting the respect that she deserves and – these filmmakers are treating her like a queen, giving her the standout moments and portraying her on screen as this strong character and I really really love both that portrayal and also too I love, you mentioned earlier the way that she plays off of Rufus and how he is also portrayed as really, like he's meant to be the most ruthless person in the movie as you mentioned Uh, there's a scene in particular that I'm thinking of where he's uh fighting with uh wiley esco played by Dion cole as you mentioned before cameras circling around them during the fight and it's he he beats the crap out of him with the most brutal pistol whipping i think i've ever seen in a movie before like this movie does not pull any punches with its violence in a way to highlight character not violence for the sake of violence but violence to illustrate how far these characters are willing to go. And I think that that really helps a lot with our emotional investment in them, Uh, especially when some of them are betraying codes of honor and shooting other characters in the back or they're in the middle of a standoff and they're counting down and they just hate when some people count too slow and kill them anyway. So you get moments like that in here where It all informs character. I really, really love that. I wish more movies would pay attention to that more when they're incorporating violence into their films.
2: Yeah, I mean, even the scene uh, that you mentioned with Rufus and the the mayor slash sheriff in that fight, it sort of starts off as like, okay, we aren't going to use any guns. We're just going to use our fists. And that's the first punch. And then Rufus is like, yeah, forget that. I'm using a gun and and just pistol whipping you into oblivion. (laughs) And that just shows you what his character is like, you know, It doesn't matter to him about honor or code of ethics or anything like that. If he wants something that needs to get done, he's just going to make sure it gets done no matter the tactic. And it's a really brilliant moment of illuminating the motivations of that character. And I find that there's so many moments like that in this film that not only work on a grand spectacle entertainment level, but it will also do the work of moving the character growth forward as well. And that's really, really Uh, Powerful storytelling right there. I mean, it also helps too that
0: both Rufus Buck and Nat Love have garnered reputations for themselves over the years. So it's really great to hear other characters talk about them, uh, either to to, to them face to face or to others. So it almost like builds up this idea that they're like legendary characters, like almost like mythic in a way. And so... Having the movie build towards this climax of those two ultimately coming head to head, it just feels like the most dramatic clash of titans, if you will, because you've heard so much about them, you've seen them both go on uh, two totally different journeys, one's ultimately the cowboy wearing the white hat, one's the cowboy wearing the black hat, but with shades of gray uh, regardless of which you know very minor because clearly jonathan majors is the hero but they also portray him not just as this goody two-shoes hero type character no he's a complex three-dimensional character who has flaws just as much as he has good qualities as well and jonathan majors gets a great opportunity to really play into that here and I, i gotta say like as I mentioned earlier, uh, some of the other people in this cast that really stood out to me RJ Seiler as uh Jim Beckworth, fantastic, Danielle Deadweiler as Cuffy. Yeah, who to me is like the secret MVP of this movie. Right?
2: I think that she is amazing in this role.
0: I mean, in the third act, especially. Oh my god. She oh, when was... they go to the White Town. Oh man, that scene. <laughs> that scene. Whew, that was hilarious. That was like the one part in the movie where I, you know, I got to admit, maybe structurally from a screenplay standpoint, I did feel that it felt like it was a bit of a detour from the main storyline. Oh, did you did you
3: look at your watch? I mean, I, I, I looked at my wrist saying this feels weird right here. Are we really is this really about to happen? Yeah, oh.
0: especially because they were already in the town. They yes. you know we, we, we'd had all the character build up and then it felt like, OK, where are we at right now? We're at the hour and a half, hour and a half mark. Right. And then we take this little detour to pull off this heist scene. And then they just find themselves back at the town again anyway. So it was like, did we necessarily need it? Maybe not. But is it a hell of a lot of fun and also hammers home some of the themes that the movie is playing with here? I mean, yeah, you got to be colorblind not to uh, catch those themes being told to you on screen.
3: <laughs> Man, the movie just like it, it, it was such a surprise. And just the way that the music is like this, this. It's a player unto itself, right? We get the scene where inside of Redwood we go into Trudy Smith's saloon, and mm-hmm. that felt like a music video right there. Uh, Zazzy Beat's Mary character is walking in and completely into something that she's not prepared for. And we have this dancer completely covered in this kind of like velvet blue body paint like adorned with like this gold jewels. This is like this is like a black, like, you know, fantasy, right? There's there's things about it that made me feel as I was watching, like what I felt when the first time I watched Wakanda come to life, that I can imagine these towns that are specifically reserved for a black experience, they had to have existed, right? Like, I just can't believe that in that reconstruction area, era, um, you know, between then and between like the industrial revolution, like where did folks who look like me go, right? The folks who did have swag and maybe like, you know, um, opportunities for money. And it's like, Texas doesn't seem like the West to me, but then again, like back during that time, once you got past Texas, there was no such thing as the West till you got to California. So yeah, it, like it was kind of wild out there. So I. I can greatly believe that that world existed and to just see how it's it's a free-for-all you know like there's really you got you got good and you got bad. there's not very many people that operated in the in between and there was there was parts of this movie that thematically you know there was something very de- de- um, declarative that Rufus was hinting at. He says he sees this town as an example. Do I want hundred percent believe it? I'm not entirely sure. I think that there were some moments narratively where I could have dealt with maybe a scene or two to sell it a bit more towards the end of the film because I was just cinematically hit over the face with how things just came together. And you gentlemen are very, very smart when you watch movies. If we watch so much, you can kind of feel things coming. I didn't see what came was going to come. I don't even know if that made sense, but if you're listening, if you watch this movie, I did not see that. And the moment that it happened, I welled up and I shouted and I said, ah! and "I don't do that often in the movie theater. I try to be super duper respectful." And then I have Jonathan Majors experiencing something with me as a character is not love, and it, it, that, that's a special moment that like I live for those things. When I either I'm writing a script, I'm reading a script, or I'm like you know criticizing a film. Like that is something that is like this euphoric connection, connection that you have as an audience member to an art, and I was euphoric in, at that part of the film. I mean, I got to admit... Oh, you did?
0: No! <laughs> when the screenplay does introduce that twist at the very end of the film, I do think it is a little bit of a cheat because okay. there they're really, really, really aren't any clues whatsoever like it does come out of nowhere mm-hmm. and it honestly should not work and the only reason why it does work is exactly what you said there kobe is that jonathan majors idris elba yes. just sell, sell 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 and we have no choice but to buy
3: <laughs> yes yes no, you're right man and but the thing is that when that happened i said the same thing as like oh come on in other movies this has been attempted And it falls flat on its face and it's easy because it's poor writing, it's poor performances and it just comes across as super contrived. That's dumb. No way I'm buying it.
0: It was the super contrived part for me that I was like, really? Like this is where we're going with this? Okay." Uh, But then, yeah, man, once again, the screenplay allows – Uh, Idris Elba to monologue for a little bit all of a sudden character motivations start to make more sense and Mm -hmm. then the two of them are just playing off of one another and it's like I said before like this operatic almost Shakespearean like type of ending that you have to like check yourself like what kind of movie am I watching because what I'm watching (laughs) right now is even better than what I I was watching before because it's like Honestly, like this movie surprised me at every single turn. I I I really thought I had this movie nailed down in regards to where it was going and also the tone of it. And it just constantly kept on going in directions that kept me both entertained and extremely thrilled.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now, if I am going to bring up my one major complaint about this movie, it actually has to do with Zazzy Beats. Uh <gasps> And the thing is, like, I would probably agree with you, Colby, that this is her best performance. But I don't, unfortunately, I don't think that is like a very high bar to clear for her. I hate to say this too. I'm, I'm in Josh's camp on this one. And and I think it has more to do with the fact that I just don't find the character of Mary to be that interesting. To be honest, like, she has a good presence certainly, and I do like somewhat uh, her dynamics with like Jonathan Majors in this movie. But I also found those scenes to be like the very, very basic relationship kind of foundation. And that's actually when the pacing did kind of drag for me. I just had no interest really in their romantic relationship. And she basically then just gets sidelined at one point and becomes the damsel to, to rescue. And yes. yeah, she's got a great scene with, you know, a great fight scene with the uh, Regina King. That's awesome. But It really just kind of comes down to them sidelining her at a certain point and she has to be rescued. And I found that to be kind of disappointing, especially with such potential with that character. And I think that she, that Tessie Beats, is giving a fine performance, but I think it's the writing of that character and how they use her that is a little underwhelming. And I have to admit that most of the scenes with her, I really wasn't all that interested in
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, We've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and -and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.
0: I got to agree as well. Maybe the only scene I probably was interested in was her introduction where she's singing on stage. Uh, precisely because we hadn't gotten to all the other stuff that you're mentioning here, Josh. And then (laughs) I would say her scene with Regina King in the barn, uh, where they're, uh, fighting one-on-one is great. Just from a standpoint of seeing these two actresses, just beat the ever living crap out of each other in such unique and interesting ways with every, anything and everything that's around them. Uh, but, I got to agree. I feel like in terms of the writing, her character probably did suffer the most for me. My one complaint with this movie, I got two, but this is the, this is the top one for me. And I'm curious to know what both of you think about this. I really did not like the cinematography in this movie.
3: Uh, was it the, the screen distortion things? No, it, it was
0: it, honestly, it was the fact that it's so brightly lit that I I, I just need there to be some some shadows, some contrast, something, because otherwise, at a certain point, it starts to look a little too cheap. Soap opera cheap. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh,
3: I, mm-hmm. So I can definitely tell like there was definitely parts in the film. And while I still like, I I still love the film for the story. Sure, there's parts of it like, oh, I can definitely see that this was in a soundstage.
0: Like we are exactly, not like, yes. exactly. Yeah. Like, and I don't like having that immersion broken for me. Yep. There are times where the bright lights uh, that they use to illuminate uh, these sets with they really make the colors of the costumes and the production design pop, and that looks great. But at the same time, I I really feel that the movie could have looked a little bit better because of the fact that, like like you said there, Josh, it it was like pulling me out of the movie Uh, because, yeah, there were just too many times where I just felt like I was watching something that was like, like, it almost felt like I was watching behind the scenes footage as opposed to the movie itself.
3: If this looked like news of the world, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: and. I'll be honest with you, Matt. I got that sense more when I watched the trailer to this movie. But actually watching the finished film, I don't know. I think it looked a little bit better to me. I definitely see where you're coming from because I did get that in some instances where it did kind of feel a little like not quite as polished as it could. But I think maybe the one thing that made me forgive it a little bit is that when we get to some of these nighttime sequences, it did not feel how sometimes kind of cheap productions will Make nighttime scenes look like where it is just like a very kind of cheap digital camera that they have, and you can immediately tell because they don't have good enough cameras to use proper lighting. Yeah, but I thought that the night scenes actually looked very well done in this one, and that wasn't the usual giveaway for me to be like, Oh, this is a cheap looking movie. So I admit that it could look better, but considering just the overall tone of the movie and how much fun I was having, those concerns were very secondary to me, much more than I expected to given my reaction to the trailer.
0: And then the second thing for me, the movie is, if I remember correctly, yeah, it's it's not two 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 and a half hours long. It's two hours, 17 minutes long, which is fine, which is fine. But I do feel like the first hour of this movie can be a little slow at times. Yeah, and I think that the second hour definitely picks things up considerably but then also once again then we take that detour with the high scene that just feels kind of like it's breaking the narrative momentum of where the story is going and so just in terms of maybe screenplay structure I feel that it could have been tightened up just a little bit but th- th- that is a minor complaint because the cast I think just carries this thing the whole way through to make it so incredibly uh, fun and James Samuel's direction, as we mentioned earlier, is so stylized that it holds your attention throughout, no matter matter what's going on.
2: Yeah. I mean, I get the whole detour thing probably could have been handled a little bit better or maybe not to have it feel so clunky, but I was just having so much fun. I honestly didn't even notice that it was like kind of a, a tangent from the main storyline because it was just, it was so well done. Like the minute they walk into that town and they give you the name of it, parentheses, yeah. it's a white town <laughs> and every <laughs> building is white. Like that set up the tone for me Perfectly, And like, I just had so much fun. I didn't even care that it was a a tangent and a detour because it was just so well done. I mean, looking at all the white people saying times
0: have changed, ain't it? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) how can he not love this movie for just the self-awareness that it has? Uh, The final shootout is impressively well staged in terms of the geography, the editing, the way that it was shot. I never felt lost during a moment of it, and I was so invested in the characters at that point as well, so that helped considerably. And the violence, as we mentioned earlier, is just ratcheted up uh, completely to the point that I was really, really into that set piece, like probably more than any other in this movie, just because it just felt like the movie at that point was going, you know, no no pun intended, guns blazing.
3: (laughs) Yeah, no, it was so inventive, and this is the stuff that I grew up on as a kid. You know, watching *Unforgiven* and watching like you know *Tombstone* and like like seeing how those things were all done, right? And it still is able to kind of match that, but then I don't I don't lose any of the wealth that I have built up narratively with each of the characters. Like I was dying to see the the showdown that was going to happen between uh, Cherokee Bill and Jim Beckworth, right? Yeah, I wanted to see it so bad. And I knew that like, you know, just from like a piece of dialogue that came from Cuffy in the second act, I said, okay, it's like, you know, you kind of start setting things up and then like the rug gets swept from underneath me. And it's like, oh Wow. Like that is bold where, you know, we're not going to like try to like cheap out some things and say that. No, 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 no. We're going to give it to you. It, the still the, the film still ends up being ruthless um, and it gives everybody their shine. Right. I don't think that anybody is lost. Bass Reeve, you know, Trudy, uh, Mary, everybody gets their due. Um, someone loses an arm. I'm not saying who but that line of dialogue. I was at the right or the left. like it's just, It still finds a way to be dramatic, but very much comedic. I thought it was an amazing blend with that uh, of the action as well, where everything just it, it just worked. I think the, the tone throughout this film just really surprised me how well it was balanced.
0: Well, something that you mentioned there, I think, is also in keeping with what The movie's ultimate goal is, and that's subverting expectations and taking these genre conventions that we typically look out for in the Western and flip them on their head. So, having the build up to the shootout uh, between these two characters and then not giving the audience that or having the final confrontation between Idris Elba and Jonathan Majors not play out exactly as we would think it would either. This movie is constantly trying to find ways to flip the western genre on its head and from a genre fan standpoint that was a lot of fun especially because sometimes you know you worry are they doing it just for the sake of doing it? Well when you are taking this cast and putting them in this setting to begin with and telling the story the way that you're telling it, it's all fitting, in my opinion. It's all allowed. And I do not think that they ever went overboard with it to a point that it lost me. I mean, I will admit, the the final thing of Jonathan Major's Need Yourself but was close. I was, I was like this close to being like, oh, okay, no, 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 that's a bridge too far. But as I mentioned earlier, the performances really saved it for me.
2: Well, and even that, ending which i agree with you matt like on paper it shouldn't work but it mostly does because of those performers i think what also helps with it is that the tone of this thing does sort of harken to kind of like the the grindhouse version of westerns and i think stylistically but it's not played for laughs though i want to be very clear about that like it's not yeah Not for laughs, but it's like reveling in that tone. And it it really walks this very fine line of kind of indulging in that tone, but also taking its characters and their situations seriously, you know, in a way that maybe some other stylish filmmakers who like to make Westerns that feature Black people tend to (laughs) not get quite that right, you know, (laughs) for another conversation. But I think it's so well done in, in, in this movie, and I think that ending really shows you that Like that is a twist, like out of something that should be much more schlocky, but because of the confidence in the filmmaking and the storytelling and those actors, it works, and you are pulled right into that emotional center with them. And that takes a whole lot of talent to be able to make that work.
3: I found that, as crazy as it is, this movie, right, this is one of the few films where I wasn't making very many comparisons to right outside of like harlow knights just because of the reality of who's all involved with this property um but like i didn't find myself like saying yo is this like you know the hateful eight i feel like the hateful eight is operating in a way that is very specifically quentin tarantino right and 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 all of his subjectivities and things of that nature where this wasn't that this wasn't the magnificent seven either this was kind of something of its own um this feels like a very like I said this is a cool gangster western um because of the infusion of the music with the cast like this is not a young cast nor is it an old cast but they're kind of like in this this kind of middle kind of pocket place and it just there's something about it that just works and like I, I I wish that this could be experienced more. I, like I love being able to watch this in the theater. Um, and I thought like it plays so well, like to an audience. And, yeah. and and granted, I understand what Netflix and what their entire their model is, but man, I would implore folks like if you could watch this in a theater, I think it's amplified. Um, being in a community setting with the way that this film is written and performed, and, and I feel like it's taking you on a journey that. Is amplified when it can be done collectively. Um, I wonder how it'll play inside of homes. That's the one thing that, as an artist, I always am kind of curious about, right? Because I, growing up, I know films are meant to be seen on the biggest screens as possible in a house that's fully packed, and I wonder how that changes art and its effectiveness when it's relegated to a ten to fifteen-inch laptop screen or, you know, a forty to sixty. Like, do those laughs? play the same way i mean the first time we get introduced between you know the nat love gang and the not the red hoods uh the crimson hoods right um or something something or other it's like that was unexpectedly funny and those jokes depending upon the size of the room can really go or fall flat and also those jokes culturally are not going to be for everybody um, I have not gotten a chance to kind of see what the uh, you know w- w- what the what the temperature in the room is for critics that don't look myself that 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 have, that have watched this, um, but I know IMDb told me that this thing is hovering out of five, and I don't understand why. But I wonder if there's some cultural differences that can make this type of story not hard to swallow, but just like may not be able to see themselves on screen because literally there's a very little non-black presence in this film.
0: I mean. There's always going to be some asshole out there that's going to feel threatened by a movie such as this and going to take to IMDb and greater to one or something like that. Let them, you know, at the end of the day, this is the kind of stuff that is nowadays making cinema fresh, exciting and worth revisiting old genres such as this because we're seeing them from perspectives that we normally don't get to see that often and you know you talked a lot about like harlem knights uh kobe like that movie was not well reviewed uh this movie's been positively well reviewed it's played very well with audiences like you mentioned before it's coming out on netflix in a couple of days and hopefully with some of the buzz uh that has been accumulated so far more people will now catch it uh, on netflix or the theater as you mentioned earlier whatever they're most comfortable with but I do think that this isn't something that people should be afraid of. Yeah, okay, fine. You have jokes in here where it's clearly putting down, you know, white people. Who gives a shit? <laughs> you know? There's other white westerns out there. There's a shit ton of them out there for you to watch. I just find the uh the, the, the negative uh review dumping, as it were, I just find it to be so so petty and sad, really. Uh, but at the same time, I got I got to laugh because people are just not getting with the program in terms of where the culture is heading. And if it involves more movies like this, I say, let them come, because this is just so much damn fun. It's some of the some of the most fun I've had in a theater this year watching a movie. And it's interesting, too, that I keep saying that because I know I've said earlier in this review that this movie is also not it, it's very serious at times. It's darker. Than I anticipated it being from the trailers, much darker, in fact. So I think it has a little bit of a mixture of everything working in its favor here.
2: And yeah, if people feel threatened by that, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, it's darker, but it's also, it never feels like exploitative either. You know, it doesn't like wallow in its misery. It is kind mm-hmm. of presenting it rather matter of factly and just me- blending it into its own established tone and it never feels jarring in any way
0: i mean you were mentioned earlier about zazie beats character there were things that they could have done with her yeah they don't yes they don't <laughs> Thank i God. mean and you can tell that maybe in the hands of another filmmaker or two you know that could have gone or in a whole like other the,
2: direction the overall language too like yep I mean, I mean, we keep mentioning him, like, but we just got to say, like, can you imagine Tarantino if he had these characters like, my God, the N word would be every other word in this movie. I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of his top ten favorite movies of the year. Oh, I'm sure. Even though there are times where I feel like it is blatantly critiquing him. Like, I feel like that scene when <laughs> they stop the train to try to uh, break out the Idris Elba character and you've got that the train conductor who's about to say it and then they shoot him. I don't know. That felt like a, what was the line? <laughs> she said, she said, it sounded like he was going to say something with an N in it. it yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just, that was one of those things that made me wonder, like, am I reading too much into this? Cause it almost did kind of feel like a direct critique about him.
0: <laughs> hey, you know what? We'll leave that up for the audience to decide at the end of the day. Uh, final thoughts on the heart of a fall, Kobe, uh, anything that you did not get a chance to mention that you want to mention or anything you want to reiterate?
3: This cast is uh, is fantastic. Um, I love these characters. I cannot wait to see where the journey for some of them uh, could possibly continue on. Um, Shout out to Netflix for this being, so far as I can remember, the third consecutive year where a principal Black cast or a film with a strong Black narrative, I get to celebrate and enjoy in the beauty of a theater in the fall. You know, a couple years ago with Dolomite Is My Name, you know, last year with, um, uh, with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and now they're carving out a space that makes it a really adult playground um, for creators to just come, get their work seen, I, I-, I mean, it, it shout out to Idris Elba and working with Netflix. I think, I think he may be in the lead right now for like the most Netflix movies, you know, and he, he kind of kicked it off with Netflix being a player in this conversation with Beast of No Nation and to see him still doing it and to not really have aged either. The man's a black wonder. Um, <laughs> this movie is, it's <laughs> just so much fun. And I, am, I'm, I'm, I am happy to just keep, keep on talking about it. Um, so yeah. All right. Awesome.
2: Josh, uh, two very quick things. Um, We did talk a lot about the cast, but I do just want to give another shout out to Lakeith Stanfield, who plays that character like a lot more subtle than I thought he was going to, because I think that's a character that has the potential to be very big and grandiose, but he sort of went the opposite direction with it. And I really appreciated that, and I think it just shows how fascinating of an actor he is, even though... There's some things in his personal life that are kind of weird that we have to deal with, but I think as an actor, Lakeith Stanfield is brilliant, and I think this is another example of that. I agree. Yeah. And then the other thing that I just also want to briefly mention is I love the sound design in this movie. And not just all the effects work with, like, the shootout, but just even, like, the mixing, too, and the way that they incorporate the music to make it feel so lively in those moments and push the energy of the movie forward. I thought all of that was also really excellent. And it was another element of the craft of this film that I very, very much appreciated.
0: I mean, when I saw it for the first time and I message the MVP uh group chat i think the first thing i said was sound contender i
2: hope so (laughs) because man it's so good
0: completely uh i got a couple things here love the transition of the cross into salinas texas as a title that was great there's just like these little tiny stylistic flourishes like that throughout this movie um The soundtrack was mentioned earlier. My Guns Go Bang over the credits was awesome. That's probably the best opening credit sequence maybe of the year even.
2: Yes. Well, I'm a little biased in another direction, but yeah, I'll I'll
0: allow it. Okay, okay. (laughs) I mean, Black Skin Mile, all the usage of that too for the death of a particular character was excellent. Yeah, there's some really, really good stuff in here with the soundtrack for sure. (laughs) The line, my friend doesn't like arithmetic. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Oh, and then another laugh out loud line in the movie for me. I've seen the devil, and Rufus Buck ain't him. The devil is white. Yes. And then just having the other character just like react by going ha, <laughs> like just mimicking like how the audience should be reacting in that moment. I'm sure that they do. I'm sure that uh, when this movie plays with an audience, I'm sure they holler at that, and it's great. A rock in a hard place is what we call Monday. <laughs> Uh, there's just so many good lines in this movie so many good lines uh the napoleon quote i thought was very interesting i really really liked that bit and that's something that i didn't get a chance to dig into as much as i would have liked in time for this review but i really enjoyed that bit there uh, because like i was mentioning earlier idris elba could have been presented as a two-dimensional villain but he really does have a lot of layers added to him throughout and he doesn't start off that way either He doesn't talk much uh, in the beginning He's really kind of just presented uh, as you mentioned earlier is like the, with this swagger and this just complete badass Effect about him where he's having everybody else do his dirty work for him Like he doesn't even have to lift a finger necessarily uh, but I really really ended up liking the portrayal of his character so much so that I think I think think he might have been my favorite performance in the movie but when all was said and done
2: mm. I
0: don't know it's tough to say when you have a cast this good
2: I mean he is really good but I still think
0: Jonathan Majors is my favorite you're just saying that because he's shirtless at one point in this movie
2: I mean that helps but it's not the only factor.
0: <laughs> I tell you that scene where he was shirtless I immediately was like oh, Josh's gonna love this ah <laughs> <laughs> uh. And then for my final question and thought here with The Heart of Day Fall, are we getting a sequel?
2: I mean, they do leave it off like <laughs> there's one. And I think also the way they do leave it off is perfect, especially with the character that they leave it off with. It's like, yes, that is the one person that I would want to see come back. Truth, uh, truly. And I think that there's a lot of question marks in that My. My cynicism says no. I think we're lucky to get one (laughs) movie like this from a major distributor who's going to give them a lot of money. So I don't know. I would hope so. I'd love to see the story continue, but I am a natural cynic when it comes to these topics.
0: I don't know what the story continuing would be necessarily because it feels like the story that they set out to tell here in the story of Nat Love versus Rufus Buck, like that story reached its end. So – I don't know what a sequel to this necessarily looks like, but I am intrigued, especially because they've spent a good amount of time here setting up this world, these characters, and God, can you imagine the casting possibilities of what they could do with a second film
3: now? I already started writing it out, bro. Like I, 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 I whipped out my iPad and started going to town. And um, I, I swear, Friday I'm gonna I'm gonna set up a spaces to talk more about just the possibilities because I've got casting choices. I know exactly what the opening scene is gonna be. It's gonna be way more ruthless than what we saw in the opening scene of this one. I see somebody strung up like a shower curtain. That's what I'm seeing. Like,
0: and then another thing I also want to just call out here that I I find amusing given some of the stuff that we've talked about here today uh Lawrence Bender is a producer of this film yeah I did think about that too just throwing that out there (laughs) I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, passing judgment, reading into it or anything like that. I'm just pointing out what I'm seeing in front of me right now, and I see Lawrence Bender's name as a producer.
2: That's all I'm saying. Yep, and you know, a producer who, who's worked with many different directors throughout his career. You know, there's, yeah, there's totally. A lot of people that you could point to. Gus Van Sant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's who we're talking about. Gus Van Sant. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs>
0: Uh, I had a good time with this. I've got some issues with it ultimately, um that do hold it back just ever so slightly, but it's a very, very strong recommendation. I'm giving it a seven out of ten. I know that might sound a little low, maybe for some people, but trust me when I tell you, I definitely think you should check this
2: one out. Josh Parm, what about you? Uh, I'm an eight out of ten. very, very strong eight out of ten. It's not quite in like nine territory. I do think, the momentum does slow down a little bit. And like I said, the the whole thing with like Zazie Beast and her character just sort of underwhelmed me immensely. I'll be honest. But overall, I just found myself having so much fun with this movie. I would highly still recommend it to people. I still really, really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I think we're I think we're in line here because, I you know, I share those same concerns. But then if I add the cinematography cinematography thing on top of that, for me, I think that's why I end up where I end up with this one. That's fair. Yeah uh kobe what about you
3: yeah none of that don't mean a thing 10 out of 10 like <laughs> yes, no, this is my third perfect score uh that a netflix film has given me starting out with malcolm marie Mitchell's versus Machine, and now the harder they fall. And don't get me wrong, perfection is purely subjective, but the world, I believe in these characters, their goals, and the way that this narrative moved me at the end of the film, I wait for that electrifying, magical moment to be able to explore with a piece of art, and it did it for me right at the climax. Right when I was like, man, I don't know if this is going to give it to me, and then it just came out of nowhere, and I I, I love that feeling. I cannot wait to just, like, I, you know you find a movie that's like, oh, I'm going to put this on immediately when somebody comes over. Now, Check this out real quick. And and Thanksgiving's coming around too. Like I cannot wait for my family. There's, I'm going to send this to everybody. Just share, 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 oh, share. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, no, this is definitely the type of movie I'll definitely show my family as well uh, because as mentioned earlier, it doesn't have a lot of the things that would normally turn them off. Like they can handle some violence here or there. Uh, but some of the other things like language, graphic nudity, things like that, not really present here. So I I think that they're going to really take to it. So that's really that's a good that's a good call out there, uh, Kobe.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've already told my parents like, "Hey, when this drops on Netflix, y'all need to watch this." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now for Oscar potential
0: for The Heart of They Fall. Uh, we're talking a couple of different categories here, I think. And it's interesting because I don't know where it necessarily could break through with these three, but I've narrowed it down to three. Costume design original song and sound. That's where that's where I think the potential lies.
2: Yeah, I think the costume is the least likely of those three. Uh, That category is getting very crowded right now. And I think that there are many, many other contenders that are ahead of it that I don't really see it necessarily happening. Like if it was a very well-known costume designer on this movie, then I maybe would consider it.
3: But I don't believe the person is like, known in the industry, right? Yeah, Antoinette, she has done only a few projects, so I would not put her as a name that's going to probably, like, demand that recognition um, right off the bat. She's definitely been recognized for her work, like, you know, um, like, locally in California, um, but she doesn't have too, too much to her
2: name. Mm. Yeah, and that's not to say, like, the costumes are bad. Like, they're wonderful costumes, but, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to take it a lot into account in an Oscar race, and I think for a movie that already is going to struggle in other categories I just feel like costume design is probably further away in terms of likelihood and I'll say this again because I say
0: it almost it seems like on every podcast review that we do when this category comes up I freaking hate that they split uh well they combined the sound categories I wish they were split again because then you would have had the opportunity to nominate more than just 5 films and this is a perfect example of a movie, like you said, Josh, whether it was for editing or for mixing, why not both? Uh, this movie should be in that conversation, and I'm worried it's going to get devoured by some other big heavy hitters the same way with costumes.
2: Yeah, and doesn't the Sound also have a shortlist now? I think so. Yeah, so that's now another roadblock potentially for this movie where it might not even make the that 10-movie shortlist at the end of the year. So... I hope it can put up a fight because, oh, my God, it so deserves it. I love the sound design in this movie. But I do think that's another category that could potentially be very competitive. And I do worry about its chances to break through if not a lot of people are talking about it. Now, where I do feel very confident is original song. Yeah.
0: And I'm saying this because there are a number of songs that they could choose from here with this. My guess is they're going to go with...
3: My Guns Go Bang from
2: the opening credits? I would think so. That seems the most obvious one to pick. Right? Yeah. Is
3: that going to stand a chance in like what, the four or five musicals that we've got, you know, (laughs) that we've got coming up? Like, think about it this
0: way, right? Dear Evan Hansen was not well received by people. In the Heights has kind of disappeared. So those are two musicals already gone. We don't know if West Side Story has an original song yet, right? No, we don't Um, know. I don't. I don't think it does. I <laughs> yeah. By all accounts, I don't think Lady Gaga has a song for House of Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> like that that category really right now truly is King Richard, No Time to Die, and Encanto. And there's two slots wide open.
2: Yeah, and there's certainly a very interesting narrative if you want to go this route where if Beyonce's in there for the King Richard song and Jay-Z is in here for The Heart of They Fall, that that's an interesting uh, dynamic to have. Oh. That's that's what I'm thinking. That's where my brain's going. I didn't even think about that. Yeah.
0: And okay. Netflix is pushing this movie. They're making sure that it gets out there for people. They're, the main thing that they're gunning for with this right now is the ensemble. So they've got a Gotham Award for the cast uh, that's happening, and they're going to really push this for SAG ensemble. I think they should because... We've seen the SAG Ensemble Award recognize a number of diverse casts recently, and I think this fits, uh, you know, the very definition of that lately, where you get a number of really great actors from both film and television all coming together here. I, I think it checks off a lot of boxes and can definitely get that nomination.
3: You don't think Regina has a has a chance in hell?
0: <sighs> I, I think the problem here, you know, because I was thinking about this. I get the argument given that she is on such a hot streak right now. It feels like everything she does is is an awards magnet. I recognize that it could happen. What I need to see happen in order to believe it is I need to see other critics groups from the regional areas... Uh, start to chime in and mm-hmm. single her out. Because I think that's the problem, right? Is that when you have a cast like this, you need everybody to come together and say, okay, everyone is great, but this one is head and shoulders above the rest. If you've got a bunch of people say, no, I like this person. No, I like this person. And everybody's going for somebody else. Then that's how she doesn't make it. And that's why I'm a little skeptical.
2: Yeah, I think it's also just very hard for performances and these like quote unquote genre movies to really break into acting races like you have to be across the board raved about and and not that there's not potential for that for her because i'm sure everybody who watched this movie is like how can you not love her in it but i don't know if it's going to be enough to be like let's get her a nomination for this movie and she's great and if she did get one i, I wouldn't be mad at it because how can you be mad at any success thrown regina king's way she's a queen and deserves it but I just don't think it's necessarily going to happen for this movie, even though she's fantastic in it.
3: Yeah, I mean, give me this over Helena Zangle, but alright.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> and hey,
3: she
0: didn't get that nomination in the end anyway, so
2: <laughs> Yeah.
0: We can all take solace in that. All right. Anyone else? Any final points? No, I think I'm good. I got I got one more final point to make here. Uh James Samuel, first time DGA nominee.
2: Oh, better happen. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good directorial debuts this year.
0: There are, but I I really, really think that he's going somewhere in the feature film world if this is what his directorial debut looks like.
2: Oh, absolutely. Like, I kind of feel like, for me, the fight between the best directorial debut is between him and... Uh, uh, Friend Kranz for mass, but it, it's close. I don't know which one I would necessarily pick right now, but I think both of them are excellent. Uh, they do excellent jobs.
0: Yeah, they're both very, very different in that regard. Extremely
3: different, yes.
0: Right, right. But I, but I agree, Josh.
3: They're both, they're both up there. Yeah. Um, his next work is called the Notorious Nine. Get out of here. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, if we're going the full, I need to see who else is producing this because if. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what it's called—the Notorious Nine. Somebody get
0: Tarantino on the phone. I want to know <laughs> what he thinks of this guy.
3: <laughs>
0: oh man, that's, that is hilarious. Is that real? Is that real? Yeah, the Notorious Nine. Saying,
3: the Notorious Nine. Who else is there? Nobody else is attached. Um, what, there's a tagline: "God's vengeance takes too long." <laughs> could this be like? I mean, I don't. I guess anybody could kind of add this stuff, right? But wait, wait
0: where are where you looking? I'm on IMDb. Oh, yeah. Well, anybody can add it on IMDb. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it was Tarantino. I mean- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, oh, okay. that'll do it here for our review of The Harder Day Fall here on the next Best Picture Podcast. Kobe Mack, thank you so much for coming here today to chat with us. Tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the Internet.
3: Thanks, Isman. Thanks so much for letting me rock the mic with you guys. Look forward to doing it again if you're not following your boy you can find me i'm on all the socials at colby told me that's k-o-l-b-y-t-o-l-d-b so when they ask you where you heard it from you can tell them colby told me
0: all right love it josh parm where can they find you on the internet
2: You can find me on Twitter at JR Parham.
0: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us.